Donofrio joined IBM just as it ascended to market leadership with its iconic System 360 mainframe. He would later go on to lead IBM's technical community into the 21st century and be named one of Business Week's 25 top innovation champions. In today's episode, let us chat with Nick and understand his life journey as a technology leader. This is the Guiding Voice podcast series, the Guiding Voice for a Better Future. Folks, I'm your host Navin Samala, just a fellow IT professional on a mission to shape the careers and lives of millions across the globe. Through the Guiding Voice, we help and we enable successful leaders share their knowledge and wisdom with the world so that our audience will acquire more knowledge for every minute by tuning into the Guiding Voice than any other podcast in this space. Thank you so much for joining me today and we are extremely pleased to have Nick part of TGV's journey in shaping the careers and lives of millions across the globe. Nick, I'm super excited to have you part of our journey. It, it's really an honor to have you part of uh, our show and hearty welcome to the Guiding Voice. Naveen, thank you very much for that very warm introduction and welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. I look forward to helping your viewers better understand um, what leadership is all about, especially leadership in the technical space. Absolutely. All right. So let's get on to the conversation, uh, Nick. Maybe you can please share top three things that have helped you so far in your career journey. Sure. So as you know, Naveen, I also just wrote my book, uh, If Nothing Changes, Nothing Changes. And while that's an unabashed plug for my book, it actually is at the top of the list, Naveen, of things for people to think about. The concept of being a technical leader, the concept of technology is all about change. And the question becomes, where are you with respect to that change? Are you avoiding it? Are you leading it? Are you embracing it? Or are you condemning it? Change is going to happen, Naveen. And the question is, you as a technical leader, where are you? Because technology is constantly changing. Now, as you know, there's a story behind that phrase. That's not my thinking. That's the thinking of my father. Uh, he is the person who kind of coined, if nothing changes, nothing changes. But he was wise beyond his education. He was a hardworking man. Uh, he taught me those same ethics. He was not well-educated here in the United States. He only got as far as the 10th grade. But He was very clever, very innovative, and he taught me how to solve problems. And, and that became the next most important thing to remember, is not to avoid problems, but to solve, to thoroughly understand them, to appreciate them, to value why it's a problem, how it got there, and then using your engineering, science, technology, technical background, solve it. Solve it in a way that is meaningful. And that brings you me to the third point, which is be responsible for what you do. Make sure you understand the consequences of your action and, as importantly, your inaction. All of that came together, Naveen, around my father. It all came together for me as I joined IBM back in September of 1964. I mean, you, I know you weren't born back then. I know you are younger than 
most of the audience is probably younger than that. And you probably scratch your head and say, well, what was it like in 1964? But your opening comment was very appropriate. It was the beginning of a new era, a different era. So change matters. I saw it then. I mean, I was a young graduate from high school trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life. And for me, it became obvious what my father was talking about. The problems of the world were going to be based on electricity. They were going to be electrical problems. And I became an electrical engineer because of that. I mean, not because he told me to do that, but because he described an environment that allowed me to conclude that and to move forward. I joined IBM, and you know part of this story, out of necessity. I came from a very poor family. You know, I'm the grandson of poor Italian immigrants. My mom and dad, while they did okay, we never did well. We were very modestly positioned, you know, in the in the social circles or the economic circles. Never poor, because Italians never admit that they're poor, by the way, as long as they have food to eat. Uh, and we had food, but we were not well off. So I had to do my part, you know, to get my education. So again, my father taught me nothing, the value of hard work. He taught me the value of looking to the horizon and to understand what could be. And that is the next point to your request is always look to the horizon. What could be? And then what isn't? And why isn't it? And what needs to change in order for it to get there? And then you do that. You do that in a socially, civically, thoughtfully, religiously, if that's important to you, environment that holds you accountable for your actions, holds you accountable. The consequences of your actions, known and unknown, they're on you. You know, so it's a little easier for me to say this now because I am going to be 77 very shortly. So I look back and I can reflect and I can say and see, you know, where did I do it right? Where did I do it wrong? Was I totally responsible? Did I understand the consequences of my actions? And it, it's simple. You know, that phrase, you know, this phrase is do well while doing good or do good while doing well. You want both of them. You don't want everything on your side. You want to live a balanced life. And my father taught me that as well, Naveen. He um, is responsible. My mother, of course, as well. She was a wonderfully thoughtful, gifted Italian mother. Um, very smart, by the way. Um, but my father chiseled, and I, I use the word thoughtfully chiseled, these thoughts into my personality. Uh, my mother actually brought me together with a different view, which is to be nice to everybody. You know, so my mother taught me that thought that I have surrounded myself with, which is always be willing to listen, always be willing to learn, and don't be afraid to ask questions as well as answer questions. And don't be afraid to embrace people and enable them to be their best. You put all that together, Naveen, mm -hmm. you have me. That, that's who I am. That's who I was. That's who I will be till the day I leave this earth. Excellent. So there's a lot of uh, parental influence on you. And uh, yeah, you spoke about being responsible and uh, having a vision 
and also not right. to be afraid to ask me questions and i i love this concept of chiseling the thoughts yeah such a profound <laughs> statement and uh, you joined ibm in 1964 of course i was not born by then <laughs> and uh, I, i'm sure most of our audience are also not born but uh, right. having worked there for several decades so what has been your proudest moment while working at ibm so it's interesting you ask that i've had so many wonderful opportunities that were given to me at ibm but i think the proudest moment i had was when ibm finally stood up for the right side of history i mean that that's something that you want to always be mindful of levin what is the right side of history you know ibm through mr watson senior who founded the company they were always at the leading edge of change when it came to the workers to the workforce i mean there are stories told about women in the workplace first at ibm before anywhere else so mr watson senior understood that you know he brought that equal pay for you know equal labor concept and he brought that thought that said we're a place where everyone is welcome but you have to keep refining that navine the world keeps changing what do you mean by that is it just women in the workplace what about what about and fill in the blank right <clears throat> there's a whole spectrum now of gender um it's no longer simply binary so one of our proudest moments and it's in the book is when ibm and i did help on this i did lead i i took my own direction brought to bear same sex partner benefits we were faced with a difficult decision when we bought lotus from the lotus company we merged lotus into ibm i'm sure you remember this or you i mean you you probably heard about this they came to us with same sex partner benefits that that had already been part of their culture ibm's question was do we support it embrace it do we simply say nope it's over we bought the company it's not the way we do it here we're going back to simple rules it was a struggle to have that discussion but i remember the winning argument navin and i wasn't alone but it became the winning argument you don't know you just don't know who you need to do what you need to do a priori you don't know what it takes to be an innovative culture because to be innovative you need to be open you need to be collaborative you need to be multidisciplined you need to be global in your thinking and of course you have to start with the problem and then unlock that hidden value but you don't know we don't know that navin has the missing piece to the puzzle we don't know a priori you know that we don't need people who have a light colored jacket on with glasses and earphones we don't know a priori that we don't need you so i simply made that argument and i said to actually lou gersner then who was the ceo and chairman i said lou if you're willing to live in a world where the problems you choose to solve may never be answered by you because you precluded the person who has that missing piece then by all means lou, do not do not embrace same sex partner benefits mm-hmm. stay exactly the way you are it's very interesting to me he got right. a little upset yeah. he got a little upset with me <laughs> after i spoke <laughs> we stopped the meeting mm-hmm. and he went off and he made the right decision he made the decision that put ibm on the right side of history 
we embraced same-sex partner benefits. So it's a simple story. It's a small story. It may not have been the place where you thought I was going to be as a technical leader, but I am very savvy to the fact that being a technical leader, your job is to enable people to do their jobs. Your job is to enable them to be their best. And how can you enable them, Naveen, to be their best if you're constantly wondering who they are? Does that make sense to you? Absolutely. It makes absolute sense to me. And Nick, um, I'll, I'll, I'll be alternating between your career as well as book. Okay, here comes the next question on your book. What is the most favorite chapter in the book? If nothing changes, nothing changes. Oh, it has to be the very first one where I tell the story of my life. You know, I mean, that's how the book started. Right. The book actually started as two books, just to be candid with you. So I'm a great believer and I hope the audience hears me on this. Be a self-documenter. Be a self-documenter because people are going to tell stories about you without you. You might as well tell your story while you're capable of telling your story. So be a self-documenter. Tell your story. You know, there's value in every lesson that everyone has learned. Don't be afraid to tell it. So my book started out doing that, self-documenting. And then I got this idea, Naveen, to bring in all these other leaders and to kind of let's discuss, to your point, the, the, the points you were asking me for, what, what are the major highlights? What are the, the, the teaching points? What are the yeah. learning points? So we did that. And you realize the book has 37 other leaders in it. So it's not just me speaking. Yeah. But uh, honestly, and, and by the way, we were going to make that a separate book. And then I just decided, you know, you're the leader. You got to decide what you got to do. I said, no, nope, we're making it one book. We're putting it all together. Became a, a bigger book. Yeah, as you know, it's over 400 pages. But each of them pretty much, each chapter pretty much stands on its own. And I, I, I definitely want you to hear me on this. That first chapter is, was at my, in my soul. That's what I had to tell. And then after telling that story, these other stories became a little bit easier. But, you know, you said something earlier. I, I don't want to correct you, but I want to amplify what you said. I am. I am the product of my parents. I am my parents' son. They raised me to hopefully be a good son. But I am also the husband of my wife. And she raised me to be hopefully the good husband that I am. But I am also the product of my children, Michael and Nicole. And they raised me to be hopefully the good father that I am. So as you know, I've dedicated the book to all of them. They put tremendous amounts of personal effort into helping me be who I am, who I became, uh, and hopefully who I will continue to become. Without them all, mom and dad who are no longer here, but my wife, Anita, my son, Michael, my daughter, Nicole, without them here and now, I'm nothing. I am nothing to me. That's so inspiring uh, to, to hear your uh, story and all. And now um, going back to your IBM days, like you initially joined as an electrical engineer there. But did you ever imagine the impact that it would have on the modern technology, the company on its own? 
Not not even close, Naveen. Not even close. I mean, what I did know, what I did know was, as I said earlier, everything was going to change. That electricity was going to be the force for change. That, I mean, I could look at things and see, well, why couldn't that be electrified? Or why couldn't this be electrified? So, I mean, I knew something was afoot, Naveen. And you have to remember this. Remember, I made my mind up to be an electrical engineer back in, what, 1960, you know, when I was writing my, my first freshman civil, you know, social studies essay. And I had to describe, well, what do you want to be when you grow up and why? You know, I made my mind up then. So, you know, I, I knew that was afoot. The impact? No. I never, I never stopped to kind of say, why, God, look at what a leader you're going to be. I mean, that wasn't on my mind. It was like, hey, what problem are you going to solve? What problem are you going to solve? So I kept driving myself problem by problem. And then it, it became self-evident quickly you know, that um, things were going well, everything was changing, all the technologies in IBM were changing, I could learn them faster, you know, I could understand them quicker, we had a wonderful research organization, I had wonderful colleagues at IBM, they enabled me to, you know, as an engineer, to grow very, very quickly, very, very quickly in the first few years. And then, of course, you know, I became a manager in, in the early 70s, and I had to move my group from from the Mid-Hudson Valley, which is where I was born and raised here in New York, to Burlington, Vermont, which I thought was like in the far reaches of the frozen tundra. Like, who who in their right mind wants to go to Burlington, Vermont? I mean, it, it's always snowing there, isn't it? I mean, isn't it cold there? Well, I quickly found out Burlington, Vermont is just a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful place to be. Uh, it's a great place to have children and to raise children. And it's a great place to see the world. Uh, and to live your lives. And we were very, very th thrilled for, for doing that. But did I ever see any of that? No, I did not sit down, Naveen, and plan it or plot it out. But I knew in deep inside, I knew there was something happening. I could feel it. I wanted to be part of it. I was excited by it. I am a lifelong learner. That's another lesson I want everyone to remember. Don't be afraid. Like I said, to, to ask questions, to say you don't know, but don't be afraid to learn. Everything is changing. And therefore, you must continue to learn because, as you know, we will be judged going forward less by what we do with what we know and more by what we do about what we don't know because everything is changing. You're not expected to know everything because it's changing. You've got to keep learning. And that's part of the book as well. This whole idea of you and me and all of us being lifelong learners, being willing to stop, to step back and to make sure, are we doing the right thing? What are the consequences of our actions? Did we mean that? Did we get what we were really looking for? Those were very important. And then, as you know, my life, as it started with System 360, you know, back in 1964, you realize, having read the book, that I have to go back later in life to fix it. I have to go back later in life to my hometown, to place I was born and raised, right? And do some very difficult, challenging, but in the end, very correct right side of history things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and did you ever think that you would write a book? And uh, did you plan any portion of your life and career? 
just to no. create a documentary as such. <laughs> no. No, actually, I'll tell you how I got started, Naveen. It's a good point. Mm-hmm. My father uh, passed away several years ago. He was 85. And I decided before my mother passed away, I wanted her to tell us all about where we were from, who we are, how did we get here. You know, we heard stories growing up. Italians tell a lot of stories. So I actually found a writer through my my son. He was a college college uh, colleague of my son's, Mike DeMarco, who's with me on the book. He's also a, a co-author. And uh, I brought him up, introduced him to my mother. We wrote my mother's book. So we, we have my mother's documented history. My only regret is we don't have my father's documented history. And then I did the same thing for my mother-in-law, for my wife's mother. And unfortunately, my wife's father had also passed away. But, you know, Mike helped my mother write her book. So we got them both documented. And then I said, you know what? I got to do this too. There's a book in me somewhere. So only after that, I had left IBM, what, 2008. So it was probably 2012. 13, right around there when I said, you know what, we wrote these self-documented, our mothers, you know, my mother lived till she was 98, my mother-in-law till she was 102. So we we were pleased that we wrote their histories. And then I said, I'm going to do my own. I'm going to write my own. And then, as I said earlier, I struggled with how many books here. And then once I came up with the idea, once I came up with the whole flow of if nothing changes, nothing changes, that clicked. I said, that's the story to tell. And then I started asking colleagues, you know, at IBM, as you know, at AMD, at Delphi, you know, now Aptiv, at the Bank of New York, everywhere. I, I asked my colleagues everywhere I went, and they were like, of course, of course, I want to be in your book. Of course, I want to talk to you. You know, of course, I want to help you, you know, make sure that the world is learning from the lessons that we have collectively learned. So that's pretty much how it happened to me. All right. So moving on to my next one, uh, I think you retired from after retiring from IBM. Did you experience any career challenges as such? And what kind of uh, uh, roles did you explore? Like, have you gotten into coaching other than uh, other than uh, writing a book? Sure. I mean, so first I have to correct you and I don't mean to do this in public. I didn't retire from IBM. I graduated from IBM. Okay. So retiring is, it's like a terminal state, you know, like, no, I'm not going to retire. I'm going to move on. So, and it's hard, as you probably know, 44 years with IBM, it's hard to move on. But I, I decided that it was best for me to move on. And I did. I moved on and I struggled in the first six months, Naveen, with this decision. Do I go back to work or do I just stay free to do whatever I want to do? You know, do I just do what I want to do and figure out how life goes? So I had been given two major opportunities to go right back to work full time. One of them was as the chancellor of a a big education system close by. And the other was to go to work um, for President Obama. And we struggled. My family struggled with me. They were clearly part of the decision. You know, we went back and forth. Um, All I can say is, and my family would not always agree with me here, in hindsight, we made the right decision, which is to accept neither offer, which was to just stay the course and let myself find my own way, Naveen, as an independent uh, individual. 
you know, as a consultant, to your point, or as a counselor, or as a mentor, or as a coach, or as a director, uh, or as a trustee. As you know, I when I once I pivoted and said no to both opportunities, and that's not in the book, by the way. Uh, I I went on the board of AMD, American Micro Devices, and I also went on the board of Delphi Automotive, now Aptive. I had already been on the board of the Bank of New York, and then I also joined the board of Liberty Mutual. So it became obvious where I was going. It became obvious that I was going to be involved in other companies, helping them figure out their strategy, but from a different position. Not so much hands-on, but certainly, if required, hands-in, you know, right along with the rest of me, including my head. And as you know, we we tell this story in the book, we had to rebuild AMD. And we did with Lisa Sue and Mark Papermaster. And also, we ended up having to rebuild Delphi, which I know is popular in India. We have a facility at, at uh, Aptive has a facility in Bangalore, a growing facility. I've been there. And, uh, you know, over time, we saw the vision in that automotive supplier that the world was going electric. We, you know, and of course, I, I helped them do that, you would have imagined. But that's why they wanted me, Naveen. I mean, that's why these organizations wanted me. It wasn't because, you know, um, I mean, hopefully I'm a good person and a reasonable manager and all of that, but but they understood change and they needed somebody to help them be innovative, whether it was the bank, Bank of New York, or whether it was Liberty or whether it was AMD or whether it was uh, Delphi Aptive. Um, I mean, the story goes in the book, in two of those, AMD and and, and Delphi, we actually created a committee called the Innovation and Technology Committee. And I chaired it for both of them. I mean, so we we literally lived, you know, this whole idea around if nothing changes, nothing changes. So it was like, we got to change or else we're just not going to make it, you know, if we don't change because everything's changing around us. So I have no regrets. It was a struggle. It, it should always be a struggle, especially when you leave something after 44 years. But, you know, IBM still listens to me. I yell at them on a regular basis. They yell at me. You know, we talk back and forth. I've got my opinions. They've got their opinions. And I'll, I'll always do what I can to help IBM uh, and support them and, and wish them nothing but continued success, you know, in all they do. But, I mean, my, my, my portfolio is filled out. I feel the same way about AMD. I feel the same way about Aptiv, Liberty Mutual, Bank of New I mean, I, I, honestly... Naveen, I, I've been on almost 30 boards. I have over 200 years of board experience, accumulated board experience. So I've had a lot of small startups. They're all wonderful. They're invigorating. They're all about to change. You know, that's a foot. So no, Naveen, no regrets. That's so inspiring to uh, get to know you more and more, Nick. Uh, and uh, as we see, the industry is changing at a fast pace and uh, new leaders are emerging in this tech space, right? So what will be your piece of advice to them who want to become the best leaders to their employees? Sure. That is very important for their employees. That is a very important to your question. It's culture and leadership. 
Those are the two things that you, as a founder, as the leader, have to remember. It's all about the culture that you, as a leader, bring to bear. Um, in the end, it's going to be about leadership. You know, you lead, we follow. Eventually, they will start to lead, and you will have to decide as a leader to follow because leaders do everything. You know, leaders are in front, leaders are in back, leaders are in the middle. I mean, that's what a leader has to remind themselves of. They don't always lead from one position. But this culture of, of what do you stand for? I mean, you have to realize what culture is. Culture is all we have, Naveen, when there is nothing else, when there's no one to talk to, when there's no one to turn to, when there's no one to consult with other than yourself in the deepest spots in your soul. You look inside and you say, ah, there's the answer. That's, the, that's what we do. That's the right thing to do. So culture matters. And as a leader, they're going to be watching you to see what kind of, I don't care if it's a startup with two people, five people, or 50 people. They're going to be watching you to figure out what is the culture, what and how do you handle change? How do you enable me to keep up with change? Enable is the word, by the way, not empower, enable. You got to help me. You have to be committed to me. And then what do you do? When there's risk, how do you understand it? How do you appreciate it? So you, as a leader of a startup, be the leader, understand the culture. And if it were me, I would reflect this simple thought. I'm here to help you be your best. If you can't, you need to tell me because we will find out. And I want to know what problems you have. I want to know what the risks are that you're assuming. Because some of those risks should be rendered explicit so that I can help you with. If you are forthcoming, honest, truthful, if you are forthright, always, always be on the right side of history. So if you are forthright and forthcoming, I will be forthright and forthcoming. You tell me the truth, I will embrace what you're telling me, and I will help you solve that problem. Build a culture that enables, is welcoming, is forthright and forthcoming. If you do that, there's a really good chance because the idea is probably great. There's a really good chance that you're going to be successful. But without that, if you think you're the bully, if you think you're the only smart person in the world, if you think you have all the answers, you are probably destined to fail. Such a great piece of advice. And uh, moving on, Open, I'm going to quickly open a rapid fire round and ask you a couple of questions related to your book as well as uh, your personal side as well. So if you're okay, let's get started. You can crisply answer them. <laughs> All right. So while you started sharing your stories in the book, right? Did you learn anything about yourself? Yeah, I, I don't always reflect as deeply as I should. Uh, so I, I've stopped. I've, I've taken a lesson out of my own book. I pause every day to kind of say to myself, what are you doing? Why are you doing it? And what did you learn? And why did you learn it? So I, I think we have to do that regularly, Naveen. Mm -hmm. All right. So moving on, what do you hope for your legacy to be? Uh, <laughs> if nothing changes, nothing changes. I hope that's what you, that's what you remember about Nick D'Onofrio. I mean, it's that coupled with the last two things, right? Be the enabler. Be the enabler for people. 
and build this culture that is forthright and forthcoming. Tell the truth, help people once they tell you the truth, enable them to be successful. Excellent. Moving on, who are you most excited about interviewing for your book? Well, number one, they're all wonderful people. They're all wonderful people. But I think if you go way back to the beginning, I'd have to say it was Dick Gladue uh, and Dick Linton. So they are early interviewees. Sadly, Dick Gladue has passed away. That really, you know, saddened me deeply. But it was so good to be with them. They were some of my first managers at IBM. Wow. Those were the those were the two folks who took me to Burlington, you know, and kind of changed my entire life. So it was so good to reconnect with both of them. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Uh, moving on. What is something you wish you could change in the past? <laughs> well, you know, that that's a very powerful one. It's going to take a little longer. I thought all along to me that I was being a good husband and father, asking my family, Every time we had to move, where do you want to, do you want to go? Do you want to stay? But it turns out I wasn't that good. It turns out I wasn't listening. They were talking, but I really wasn't listening. And I wasn't as thoughtful as I should have been. It was hard on them to be. I mean, they moved in one four-year period five times for me with IBM. My kids didn't even know what school they went to. They didn't even know their home phone number. Uh, because we were changing so fast. So I think you, the biggest, the biggest regret I have, and something I want every one of you to think about, is your life is in your hands, not someone else's. And, and increasingly, as you have a family, it's in your family's hands. Be more thoughtful with your family. Be, make sure that you're actually allowing them to make a decision and not forcing them into your decision. Yeah, such a profound message. And with that, uh, I will fire the last one for the rapid fire. What is one electronic gadget that you would like to see or invent yourself, Nick? Ah, well, I'm, I'm absolutely convinced virtual <laughs> reality is going to happen. I am absolutely convinced it's going to happen. I am absolutely convinced that there is tremendous good that will come from virtual reality. So, I mean, I watch that space on a regular basis uh, to be there, you know, to be able to enable, you know, that tactile feel, you know, I mean, I know it sounds a little odd, you know, but it's not just a tactile feel in a virtual reality space. I'd like to be able to activate all of the senses, your nose, your, your mouth, you know, not just your eyes and your ears and your, your touch. So I think that's, what, it, what would excite me the most, that in doing more with healthcare, Naveen, mm-hmm. you know, inventing devices that truly are easy for everyone to deploy to improve their health. Wow, wow. That's so nice. <laughs> All right. That was a great rapid fire. And with that, uh, let me flip back to the mainstream and ask you one final question for today's conversation, Nick. So what will be your one piece of advice to those aspiring to make begin their careers or lives? You can pick anyone. It's hard to pick just one, but I do think it's know who you are. Know yourself as well, if not better, than you know anyone else. It's really hard to be true if you don't know who you are. 
people will find that out. People will make up their own mind about who you are. You should know who you are. You should be able to articulate your strengths and your weaknesses and do something about it. So remember what I said, you're going to be judged more going forward, not based on what you know, but based on what you do about what you don't know. And there is so much to know, so much to learn, but start with a base that is you. Make sure you understand yourself and make sure you understand why you are, what you are, and how happy you are with who you are. Simply superb. Thank you so much for such a wonderful message and uh, thank you so much for being part of the show. It's really nice to have you here and uh, share your thoughts uh, with our audience at large and I'm sure it is going to benefit them immensely. Thank you so much once again, Nick, for being part of our journey. It's my pleasure, Nadine. Be the guiding voice. Be the guiding voice. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. Namaste. Thank you for the blessings and uh, yeah, it's so nice to have you here. All right, so folks, before we move into the trivia section, here is a small request to you. Please subscribe to us in case if you haven't done already. Also, if you have loved this conversation and found it useful, request you to share with at least three of your friends or colleagues who can benefit from the guiding voice. Thank you so much in advance. Now, let's hop into the trivia segment of today's episode. So today's trivia is about Susan Kerr. So Susan Kerr personified the Apple computer in the early 80s and then applied her unique design skills to the Windows 3.0 operating system. Her ingenious ideas range from the happy Mac icon which greeted Apple users when they booted up to the trash can icon for deleting the documents. User interface graphics have been forever revolutionized by care. So in case if you don't know much, maybe it's time for you to research more about Susan Kerr. But these are the facts which we'd like to present as part of today's episode. That's all for today. And uh, folks, uh, in case if you have any topic suggestions and also speaker recommendations, please reach out to me on social media or drop us a note on the guiding voice for you at gmail.com. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm your host, Navin Samala, a fellow IT professional and a passionate learner on a mission to make a difference in the careers and lives of millions across the globe. Until next time, bye-bye.